The pursuit of God doesn't stop when a believer gets saved. There is so much more to discover about a living and active God who is with us and in us. If you've ever thought to yourself, there has got to be more than this, you are in the right place. Welcome to the More of God, a safe place to explore the more. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I am here with Michael Wenzel, and Michael and I used to work together, and I have invited him to share his story on this month's theme of hearing the voice of God. Hi, Michael. Hello, everybody. All right. So I would love if you would share your story, starting kind of before uh, your early life with God. Okay. So I like to tell people that I'm pretty much born on the front rows of the church. My parents were always involved in church, and at certain points, they became like associate pastors for a long time at the church that we came from. So I was always involved in church and always at church. And so, you know, some people get saved later on in life and they have this big, like, I was some way. And then I, you know, turned to Jesus and saw that. But since I can remember growing up in a Christian, in a household, always being in church, I mean, I was saved when I was like three or four. So basically the delivery doctor handed you to Jesus? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so I don't remember not, ever being saved. I don't like to use the term there's pros and cons with that because it was always a good thing that I was saved, but I never had the, um, you know, when I was in my twenties and got saved and my whole life got turned around cause I was three. So there wasn't a lot of bad things I could be in at three. You were out late at night at three. <laughs> yeah. I was at the clubs at <laughs> Addicted three. Addicted to your milk. Yeah. So that's kind of me early on. It's just always, as far as I can remember, always saved, you know, always involved in church, always learning something new about God. My parents did a good job taking me everywhere that they would go. And that included going to the altar. You know, when people would ask for prayer, you know, the pastor would always call my parents because they were leaders in the church. And so they would take me with them. And so learning about God came very natural because any question that I had was in that moment. You know, why did that person, you know, that got prayed for fall out in the spirit? How did you get that word for somebody? You know, because it seemed like, you know, when you told them that, you know, it made them cry, you know, cause when you're younger, you're like, it's not a good thing for people to cry. But you know, when I was younger, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, um, I could ask those questions because I would be at the altar cause they'd take me with them, uh, to pray for people. And even if all I could say is, you know, God bless them, you know, or just be agreeing with what my parents were saying later in the car or at the house, I could ask questions and because I was involved. And so that's how I got a lot of my answers. And that's also how I learned at a young age because, you know, they didn't give me real deep theology answers because I was young, but they gave me enough understanding to where I knew what was going on. And so there was never a time, especially by the time I hit my teen years, that anything surprised me because we grew up Pentecostal. <laughs> so we experienced the good and the bad. You know, we we visited places that you know, always didn't practice exactly what we believe. So when people were barking like dogs and jumping over pews, <laughs> we could have that conversation too in the I'm car. I'm sure that was an interesting car yes, ride home. Yes, <laughs> of uh, that's not what we do. <laughs> and so it was good. It was really good. That I would say um, that was probably the the biggest way that I learned about God growing up. And I credit a lot of that to my parents wanting, you know, the reason why they wanted to have kids, they wanted the kids to be with them. And so they wanted to include them in life, and they did that with uh, myself and my sister. And so that's how we got to learn more about God, and our relationship with God grew with the good and bad experiences. I had a lot of people in my life that I could ask questions and get a lot of good, wise advice, wise counsel, wise discipleship growing up. 
So that's awesome. I, I think that's amazing that your parents felt like they could do that too. I don't think a lot of parents would even necessarily think that a kid would be yeah. interested in something like that, but how awesome of an experience you really got discipled, not yeah. just, you know, taught. So that's really cool. All right. So I know you have a um, kind of a, a situational thing that kind of caused you to become aware of something that you didn't know. I want you to <laughs> yeah. share that story. Yeah. When I was growing up, like I said, um, my parents took me everywhere, so I learned a lot about God that way. And then also in the church, I had a really good surrounding, a covering that people like to say of just really solid leaders in my life. A lot of people who invested a lot in me, uh, discipled me, taught me a lot of stuff. And I would still today say that they were just like top notch leaders in my life. But little, little did I know that one of the things that was kind of hurting me is because when I was surrounded by them, I never really learned to go to God myself. Just growing up, they discipled me. They taught me a lot of things. I remember always going back to them if I had any questions, which was good. When you're growing up, it's good to get wise counsel. They continued to do this to me as I grew up, and they would show me how to prophesy, show me how to teach, prayer. So if I had questions, they were always there to answer them. You know, I remember somewhere around 1819 through choices that different individuals made basically everybody that I would would have called like my circle of people that were discipling me or teaching me basically kind of got removed in my life and it was in a matter of probably about six months and that's where you really felt like the training wheels on your on your bike just got taken off where I thought I knew how to ride really well and um finding out in that moment I really didn't. Bill Johnson likes to say that fear disguises itself as a wise decision and I thought the whole time I was doing that what really what was happening is I was taking myself out of the equation because I could blame somebody else if they got if they heard God wrong <laughs> but me having to go to God myself especially in that time because everybody left within six months um, my grades started going bad in school. The person I was dating at the time, we broke up. And it just seemed like the dark ages of Michael <laughs> in that moment. And I really, for the first time, had to seek God for myself. And I never knew what that truly felt like when you have no other places to go. And so I found myself in that moment really having to seek God, seek a relationship with him for the first time. Can I ask you, um, do you remember in that time how you felt towards God or towards those people? It was kind of like uh, Jesus on the cross, why have you forsaken me kind of thing. <laughs> but I did. Like, I really felt like God had abandoned me. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, God used what was supposed to be for evil for good in my life. And I learned a lot more in those months following that than I did probably the previous couple of years. I, I could see that God was there the whole time, um, but in the moment you feel like you've just been abandoned. You feel like you really are all alone because everything that, and when I say this, I'm saying this the right way, everything that I had established in my life as my pillars were gone. And those weren't what God had established. And so I had put these people in my life as the teachers, as the people who spoke to God for me, as, you know, the person I go to to be discipled, um, and leaving out the most important part in the relationship of God. Even though that all those people played parts in my life, 
point me to God, I had put them in the wrong position. And so when all those people got taken away and it was just me and God, I should have been okay. But I found myself um, just reaching and, and not knowing, like I said earlier, how to ride a bike without the training wheels. You know, with Moses, God's intention was for everybody to go up to go up the mountain and to have a relationship with him. And when they got there, they were so scared that they sent Moses up and said, hey, you go talk to God for me and then tell me what he says, you know, and which was what I was doing when I was younger. You go talk to God. Tell me what he says. Should I make this decision? Should I do this? But when we look at that story, that was never God's intention. He wanted to have a relationship with every single one of his children, not just Moses. And so that's where I see myself when I had to go through what I went through. I was doing that and God sought after me through that because he wanted to have a relationship with me. He didn't want to have a relationship through somebody else to me. <laughs> you know, he didn't want to have the middleman. Um, the Bible says that God's a jealous God and he desired to have a one-on-one relationship where I grow deeper in him. You know, and if I just, if he allowed me to always go to a Moses in my life, then I would have never gone up the mountain myself. Because one of the biggest thing that I learned through this whole hearing God's voice for myself is the Bible as a whole is a love story between God and his children about him wanting to reveal more of himself to, to his kids as the story goes on. And so we see with Adam... God is a creator, and that's all he knows about God. And so when God comes to him and says, name the animals, he wants to see what Adam will create. And then to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, you know, he reveals himself as God Almighty, El Shaddai. And then we get to Moses, who ultimately calls God his friend. But God says, I want to reveal a new name. My name is Yahweh. And so it's almost like going, hey, April, call me Mr. Wenzel. And then... (laughs) A month into our relationship, I'm like, just call me Michael. You know, there's a deeper relationship there going from a mister to just call me by my first name. And that's what was happening there, even from Abraham to Moses, who ultimately said, hey, God's my friend. And then we see as the story progresses with David, David calls God his shepherd. And so I've learned that you don't know these parts about God unless you go through them. David didn't know that God was his shepherd unless he was in a place where he needed to be protected. Bill Johnson, I, I keep quoting him, but he also, he says that there are parts of God that can only be found in the valley of the shadow. Uh, <laughs> preach. Preach, yeah. But, but when you think about David's life, the reason why he called God his shepherd is because he saw that relationship. He could have never called God a shepherd if there was never a need for protection, never a need for God to supply things in his life. You know, by the time that he got to Goliath, you know, he had already killed a lion and a bear. He could have either said, God, why are you allowing this lion and bear to keep attacking me? You know, you're just an angry God who keeps picking on me. Or he saw the fact that God allowed him to defeat a lion and a bear. And so by the time he got to Goliath, okay, now the Lord's my shepherd. Here comes Goliath. He makes a business deal with Saul. 
Like, what will you give me if I kill Goliath? That's how much just, you know, he knew that he was going to kill Goliath. Like, he he just knew. There was no doubt in his mind that he was going to kill Goliath because he knew that the Lord provided and that he protected him. And so he knew that Goliath wasn't going to kill him because God had saved him with a lion and bear. And so for me, in my life, I see that, I as I read through the Bible, I see that progress to where Jesus in... in um, John, I think it's John 10, he calls God Abba, which means daddy. And so now our relationship with God has grown to the intimacy of calling our, our creator, um, our protector, our supplier, daddy. I mean, so I'm not, you're no longer calling somebody mister. You're not calling them by your first name. You're calling them because father is good, but I just, I really like daddy because that just implies just an intimate connection with your father i mean because when you look at that everything is okay a dad will you know a good dad will always supply for you will always protect you will always if you ask him something because we're talking about hearing from god if you ask your dad a question he's going to answer you it may not always be what you expect it may not always be what you want but knowing that that relationship is there gives me the confidence to know that he's not holding something back to be mean because he's my dad. Knowing that, looking back, when I had to go through that point, that place where everybody got removed from me, in the moment it felt like it was really bad. And it felt like, God, why did you allow this? But now looking back, I learned something new about God. Something new got revealed to me in that moment. And it's because I never knew I needed that. And then once I found out I needed it, God revealed that part of himself to me. And so now I know personally that I can go to God and ask for answers. And it it may take me sometimes longer to be confident in it, which is something that I continue to work in, to work on. But I know now that he does speak to me. I mean, that's the reason why we've been able, me and Nikisha as a family, to make big decisions about moving from where all of our family's at, about taking jobs that are different than where I've worked at for years, moving to adopting, all that kind of stuff. It all comes out of having a relationship with God. And what I learned is, is that God wanted to have that deep intimate relationship with me. And I think there's a lot of people that feel like that, that feel like they don't really have confidence that they hear from God. They have questions and they ask and they don't feel like they hear anything. So, you know, you talk about this time where you just seek him with your whole heart, but what does that look like? What are the actual things that you did so that somebody that that's not a normal process for knows how to even start? The Bible also says that there's angels from the beginning of time that have been traveling at the speed of light to find the end of God and haven't found him. We can never put God in a box and say he only speaks to us this way because he wants to speak to us in a million different ways, and we have to be open to that. And Because if you look at the Bible as a whole, you see where God spoke all different kinds of ways, and especially when Jesus showed up, he was a game changer. And when we received the Holy Spirit um, in Acts 2, it was a game changer of how God speaks to us. You know, I think it's in Hebrews. They talk about the prophets of old longing for the day that we live in now, knowing that there was something coming, and they didn't know what to call it then, uh, knowing that, you know, what we call the Holy Spirit. But they knew that the day was coming, that God could have that much of an intimate relationship with everybody, because it seems like in the Old Testament, it was more of a one-on-one relationship. 
And so when we relate what Moses um, and the children of Israel to the acts, you know, I opened up talking about how God's original plan was to have that relationship with everybody. And he wanted them all to come up on the mountain. Well, what Acts 2 did is allows for that and everybody around the world to have that relationship of going up on the mountain with God anywhere that you're at. And going back to talking about how God wants to speak to us in all different kinds of ways, never putting him in the box. um, I would just encourage people that when you pray to just be open to hearing in all different ways. Because sometimes, you know, God will speak audibly when he needs to get someone's attention. But also remember that God is the one that also created your imagination. And so when you're praying and all of a sudden you get a picture or, you know, a vision or all of a sudden you're just like, you get this phrase. A lot of people disregard it because they're like, oh, I'm just making that up. Well, God's the one that created everything. He created you to have an imagination. So if he wants to speak to you through that, then we can't limit him and say, no, I'm only going to take it from you if you speak to me audibly. Because that's just not how he works. He doesn't want to be put in a box. And so he'll speak to you through other people. He'll have other people in your life who speak to God, come up to you and give you a word, which is just, you know, your dad telling a friend like, hey, go tell April that uh, your dad loves you and that when you were praying this, this, and this, this is the answer. And so he may use other people to speak to you. I've been a part of, and I've also heard a lot of people, sometimes they'll be praying and they go outside and just they get the answer when they see God's creation. But be open to the fact that God can speak to us in all different kinds of ways. And the way that we, we see that, the, what I tell people is that God's word produces fruit. It can't help but produce fruit. And so if you feel like you got a word from God or someone else gives you a word from God, hold on to it and see if it produces fruit. And if it does, then you know that you heard from God. And so and the only way that you know that is it's like a muscle. You have to work it out. And so when I was in that season of my life, it's not like all of a sudden I went from zero to 60. I had to pray and hear God for myself and continue to do that and continue when I felt like God gave me a word to share it with people. You know, don't hold on to it if you feel like God gave it to you. Just be like, hey, you know, I'm practicing hearing from God and this is what I feel like he's saying. Take it, hold on to it. If it produces fruit in your life, then you know it was a word from God. If not, then just disregard it, (laughs) you know. And, um, And again, you can't put God in a box because for some people, the day they got saved, all of a sudden they heard God like he was you standing, you know, sitting across from the table from me. So it's not always the case that you have to work on it. But when I say working on it, it still goes back to the relationship side. With me and my wife, the only way that I get to know who Nikisha is, is by spending time with her and having that relationship seeking out who God is, we discover all those things we talked about, that he's creator, protector, supplier, he's He's a shepherd, and ultimately he's our dad. I think one of the most common questions people have too is, <clears throat> how do I know if this is God? How do I know if this is me? And even how do I know if this is the devil? So um, in your experience, kind of how are ways that you discern, and, and you, you sort of spoke about the fruit, like if it's something yeah. that's, that's producing good fruit in you, then you know it's, it's from God. But how do you discern between um, your own desires and you know what you feel like God's saying? Or how do you discern if it's something that's from the enemy? That's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> 
to me, it becomes very easy to recognize when it's the enemy mm-hmm. and um, then when it's it's myself or God. Mm-hmm. Because when the enemy says something that doesn't line up with the word, it's very easy to be like, that's not a word from God. Mm-hmm. But it comes a little harder to say, am I just making this up or if it's God? If I receive a word that lines up with the word of God, then that's when I I give it. If I question it, I really tell people that whole, like, listen, I'm, I am practicing hearing from the Lord. And so this is what I feel like he's saying. This is the vision I got. This is the picture I'm getting. Take it and see if it produces fruit in your life. Because I know it lines up with the word of God, but I want to make sure that it's for you in this season. When I was in the gym and I was fit and when I was working out, I went to the gym all the time because I continued to work on it. And continued to go for it and hearing from God and giving words and prophesying over people is the same way. The more that you do it, the more confidence that you get mm-hmm. and the more that you recognize when it's God and when it's you. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times the first thing that comes to mind is what God's saying. Mm-hmm. And so what I like to tell people is like, okay, when you're practicing this, okay, just clear your mind and go, okay, God, I am just going, I'm just going to practice the hearing from you and I'm going to pray for this person. The first picture that comes to mind, the first word that comes to mind, the first, you know, phrase, whatever, it may be a scripture, say it. Because I've seen that nine times out of 10, that's God's word. Mm -hmm. Because if we take it and we try to add on to it to make it the special thing, we mess it up. (laughs) Because we like to try to add on to whatever that picture is. Mm -hmm. You know, recently I went to go pray for somebody in the hospital And the whole time I'm going over there, I'm just like, God, I really like to have a word to give to this person. They're going through some rough times. And the whole time, all of a sudden, I'm just, I'm singing this song. It's a very old song about, you know, mounting up on wings like eagles. I will run and not grow weary. I will walk and not faint. And so it's, it was like in the nineties or eighties, Michael W. Smith singing it. And I was just like, why is this song in my head? <laughs> like, get out of my head. I'm trying to hear from God, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I showed up and I finally just like, you know what, you know, after praying for him and talking to him for a half hour, I was just like, you know, I was praying on my way over here and I don't know if this is going to sound stupid, but God gave me this song and it's this scripture. And when I told him, he broke down in tears mm-hmm. and it was like, that is my favorite scripture ever. And me telling him that assured him that God saw him in that moment. And if I would have just said, it's just a dumb song and just never gave it to him, he wouldn't have got it. Cause I, you know, we prayed, we talked, none of that. I, I guarantee he probably forgot everything I prayed for him. <laughs> but the one word from God that was just that one verse mm-hmm. meant more to him than anything else. Yeah. But it wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't a picture. It wasn't even a phrase or a word. It was a song. And so I, I used my filters. Does it is does it line up with the word of God? Yes. Well, it's, it is it's a the word of God. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is it something that God would say over his children? Yeah. Yes. And so I just went for it. Yeah. And even if I was wrong, I still went for it. You just got to go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you get better as you go. Mm-hmm. And everybody is different. Like I said, you know, sometimes I've heard where little kids as young as eight or nine are given these words and prophecies that are just dead on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, 
is like right away for them. Mm-hmm. As soon as they're like, oh, God's a cool person. Let's just go. Let's mm-hmm. give words. Let's pray for people. They don't see have healings. Fear. No fear. They yeah. just go for it. <laughs> you know, so we can't put God in a box that way and say that you have to work on it for it to come. Yeah. But God is, like I said, God is endless and doesn't want to be put in a box, mm-hmm. you know. And so the more that we go after it, the more God loves to reveal himself to mm-hmm. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I'd love to have you you, um, close in prayer for the listeners. Okay. Well, Lord, we just thank you uh, for your opportunity to just talk about you, God. And I just thank you that your voice was even heard through this podcast, God. And I just thank you for everybody that's listening. Lord, I just thank you that you could just continue to speak to them and that you would open up their ears to hear from you. Lord, that they would see you in all different kinds of ways. Lord, that they would see pictures and visions and, Lord, receive words and scriptures and even songs, God. And I just thank you that you just revealing yourself more to more to us, Lord, in just an intimate way and just in a relationship with you, God. And so, Lord, I just thank you right now for everybody that's listening, Lord, that they would just fall more and more in love with you and begin to understand you and begin to just, Lord, just desire a relationship with you, God. And um, Lord, I just also just want to pray blessing and favor in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.